What's up, everybody? Sincere here. Mike on the other line. This is the Live Life Aggressively podcast. Another week of Q&A from all of our great listeners out there. Thank you guys so much for sending in your questions, sending in your feedback, keeping those submissions coming as far as the ratings and reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and also voting for us on the Stitcher Podcast Awards. Thank you very much for that. So keep those coming as well. All that stuff is in the show notes. But this is probably one of our favorite things to do each week is to do the Q&A show. So definitely. So, hey, Mike, how you doing, man? While I'm over here blabbing away over here. I'm doing good, man. How you doing this week? Good, man. Good. I'm enjoying the sunshine. Cold weather's over. Had a good yeah, weekend. Yeah, uh, just competed um, by the time this show comes out. Last weekend in Dallas at the North Texas Kettlebell Open at my good friend B.J. Blifford's place. Um, it's it was a kettlebell competition that was actually put on by the OKC, our good friends, Big John Buckley over there and, and Jason Dolby. So got to hang out with those guys over the weekend and compete. And it was a great turnout for BJ's first hosted event. Had about, I think, 50, probably anywhere between 50 and 55 competitors. And feeling good, man. Had a PR. You know, three weeks after competing at, at the IKFF Worlds, I had a PR in the five-minute snatch with the 28-kilogram. And I got 72 reps in that in five minutes. But in Dallas, I ended up three weeks later pretty much with very little training because I took stage five to heart after training that hard, man. And it's something to be said when you give your body a break. But I ended up getting 78 reps in five minutes with the 28-kilogram this time. So bested myself by six reps and felt really good. And right now I'm kind of going back into that stage five, as what we call it in kettlebell sport, where you just kind of – you just kind of go back to training, having some fun, doing your own thing for a little while, and not necessarily going through some deep, hardcore programming, getting ready for another competition. Because right now, I'm going to take kind of step back a little bit, relax a little bit, and get ready for the International Kettlebell Games, which will be in April for the qualifier here in Houston. And so now I have a chance to actually go back into what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. I get to go back into the 531 program, and now it won't be as conflicting with other types of programming and training as far as kettlebell sport for me even though I'll still be using kettlebells as part of the assistance work during the 531. So that's where I am right now, man. You know, feeling good, just happy to be training. And, hell, glad my body's just still moving at this point. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think that's an important point you bring up is that you need to keep training fun. I mean, that you, if, you, if, you, if training is always this pressure cooker where every time you go in the gym, you're like, I have to hit these numbers, otherwise my day is ruined. Yeah, and that's I mean sometimes you have to have that level of intensity to bring out your best performance, right? You have to go through periods where you do have to take it that seriously, right. and then you have and then but if but you can't be in that state all the time, so you have to have these these phases each year where you're trying different things out, you're trying different varieties, you're trying different program integration, and you're having a good time with it, just learning new skill sets. You're not necessarily going to make the most progress, you know, you're not going to hit PRs during that time period, right? But you're you're, you're staying in motion, you're putting in the time, yeah. you're picking up new skill sets, and you're also giving your body indirectly a way, a, a way to restore because mentally you're not putting that pressure on yourself to get a certain amount of progress in a certain amount of time, and physically you're not putting yourself through the grinder either so that you're going to be very refreshed when you want to put the pedal to the metal again. Yeah, definitely, man. I definitely agree with that. So, yeah, man, that's where I am right now. Um, as far as your training, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm doing the same things right now. I'm still doing two workouts per week where it's, it's focused on powerlifting type stuff, deadlifts, rack, uh, partial deadlifts, squat, et cetera. I started doing floor presses again. Mm-hmm. I was taking a break from a lot of heavy type pressing motions because I've had this, this elbow injury that 
where basically I have a hard time fully contracting. Like if I were going to do a bicep curl on my left arm, the range of motion is not there as much as my right arm. So I've been doing a lot of restorative exercises and rehab exercises to improve that, and it's come quite a long way. So I started doing pull-ups again, which, is, which were aggregating it before. Certain exercises like floor presses were aggravating it. Now both feel fine, so I'm going to start ramping those up quite a bit. So I'm in a good place now to wind up this year and be primed and ready to roll in 2014. And I'm going to come out of the gate in 2014 just ready to crush. So I'm in a good right. place with that. So right now I'm just – I wouldn't mm-hmm. say I'm just going through the motions, but I'm kind of doing what you just mentioned. I'm just having more fun with the workouts. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to push anything too hard. I'm just – I'm staying in the ballpark, so I'm still lifting right. heavy, but I'm not going all out on every single set where there's a risk of injury on that last rep. Right, right now, I'm staying a little bit more conservative. So, for example, yesterday I did a top set on deadlifts with 455 pounds, and my personal PR for that is about six reps. Yesterday, I just did three and, and left it alone. You know, three solid right. reps, put it down, left it at that. Back is not remotely stiff. You know, there's no soreness whatsoever today. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want because sometimes when you when you push the envelope, that's fine, but then you have to realize what's the price you're going to pay for doing that. You're right. going to be stiff for the next day. Maybe you're going to have to get some extra restorative time in. Right now, I just want to focus on mm-hmm. drilling technique. So I, I don't want to do anything that's go, going to take me into my reserves where now I have to take extra time away. Right. I mean, there's a lot to be said because later on, when you go into another program or whatever, you're probably going to come back just bigger and stronger than ever and so refreshed and ready just to kill it and hit a lot more PRs and surprise yourself like, well, damn, wow, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. So, Yeah, it's like what I say about periodization. Whether you want to do it or not, you're going to end up doing it. And what I mean by that is <laughs> yeah. some people are like, I don't want to modify training. I'm just going to train hard all year round. Well, you're not going to be that. able to do that. So what's going to happen is you're going to get injured, you're going to get burned out, and then you're going to have to reduce the volume, intensity, and frequency as a reactive mode rather than being proactive and staying ahead of the curve. So, yeah. no, I was just saying that's the beautiful thing about the human body. It's way smarter than you. It's way smarter. It knows what it needs, even when you think that you know everything that it needs. It'll let you know, whether you like it or not, what it needs and what it wants, despite what you want. And a lot of times people think about that like, oh, that, I don't understand what that means. Well, you know what? Just do what Mike and I are talking about right now. Go ahead and try to train hard all year round. You'll get a first-hand eyewitness account of what we're talking about here. And this is not just for training as well. This is pretty much anything, anything. You know, even when you're building a business, which uh, we're going to address a question right now in, in just a second from one of our listeners. But even when you're building a business, when you're just sitting there and you're just burning that midnight oil and you're just working hard and you're trying to get it going, yeah, we understand, especially if you are – just starting off on your own and start to build your own business. We get it, man. You're trying to put in as much work as possible to get things off the ground and get it going. But you have to make time, not find time. You have to make time to relax and to just kind of take a break, take a step back for a second before you go back in. If you just go hard every day, all day long, and then pretty much the only time you have time to step away from your business is just to get a few hours of sleep and then get back up and start it all over again, you're going to pay the price in so many different ways, not just with your personal relationships, but just with your own, with your own body and your own mentality. One of the things I like, and I forgot who I discovered this, this technique from, but um, it's called the Pomodoro technique. I think it's pretty much when you're working and let's say you're working on a project, even if you work for someone else, this really works out big time. Basically what you do is like you work in 20-minute 20 20 increments. So you'll get a timer. Some people need this kind of structure. 
you know, and not just the left brain people, right brain people too, because we're so freaking creative and we're all over the map. So you got to kind of dial us in and reel us in or whatever. And this helps them too. So it gives us a little bit of structure here. So you pretty much, you'll do the work that you need to do for 20 minutes. And then timer goes off. You'll take about a minute break, get up, stand up, walk around, get your blood flowing because you've probably been sitting on your butt in front of the computer. So this gives you a break to get your body moving, jump, do whatever. Then come back, work another 20 minutes, then take another minute off. And then when you, you take another 20 minute break and then, <clears throat> excuse me, you work another 20 minutes. So now you pretty much worked an entire hour. Next, you're going to take a, a full 20 minute break. So you got 20 minutes on, one minute off, 20 minutes on, one minute off, 20 minutes on, then 20 minutes off. During that 20 minutes, grab your dog, man, take a walk around the block or, you know, outside or get up, do some stretching, do some yoga, breathe, meditate, read, do something that will just kind of like give your brain some relief from the work you just did. And another thing I like, and I, I picked this up from my buddy Paul Reddick out in, in New Jersey, and another thing that Paul does he sets a certain amount of time just for work in the day. So he'll work, I believe, from, I, I want to say, anywhere between like 10 to 2 o'clock. He gives himself four hours to get shit done, as he says. You know, this is Jersey. Everything is kind of it's a little brash when they talk. <laughs> so, you know, so he's got four hours to get stuff done, nothing else. He does not give himself any extra time. So, and there's something to be said when you give yourself that block because you're going to, you're not going to waste your time doing a bunch of crap in between. You're not going to be on Facebook. You're not going to be on Twitter. You're not going to sit there and watch like a Real Housewives marathon or anything like that. <laughs> You're going to get stuff done in that four hours. And when you use that Pomodoro method of that, that, 21, that 20 on, one minute off, and doing it in that one-hour block like that, dude, you would be very impressed with how much you get done and how you really help your business or, hell, your training, your personal life, all that, man, when you have that little bit of structure. I mean, come on, four hours, four hours getting stuff done that you need to get done, and look how much freedom you have left in the day. So right. then you can actually go out and enjoy your day. You can go yeah. and watch that real Housewives marathon now and not feel <laughs> crappy about it. You're like, you know what? Yeah, it's a crappy show. Yeah, and I'm supporting by watching it, but at the same time, at least I got my business going for the day, and, hey, I, I put in my work. Here's my guilty pleasure. Okay, so that's just something to think about. I think you can um, – just look at it. I'll, I'll put in the show notes about the Pomodoro method. And, um, but as far as Paul's, I just, that's just him talking to me personally about the four hour block. So that, so I would say consider using these techniques to help you build your business. So you want some tips to get started for 2014 with your business and you can start them right now. So by the time you're hearing this show, it's actually right before 2014, get the jump start on it now. Yeah, I would suggest using these techniques. This really helped me out big time because I'm one of those dudes kind of needs that structure. It's, what sucks about being, such a curious human being and always reading and finding, you know, new things to do and things like that. You, you got to kind of start like bringing some of that stuff down. Like there's so much information out there. It can be overwhelming. At the same right. time, you can be overwhelmed with excitement. Like, Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Let me try a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you start getting into the Bruce Lee method of taking what's good out of all these things and, you know, ignoring all the bad, but then you've got a whole pile of good stuff and you've yet to use one of those things. So I feel like, again, when you sit there and block off four hours and then you sit there and use the Pomodoro method every 20 minutes and then also just refreshing your brain with one-minute increments of rest in between, I think you'll be a lot more successful at implementing that one or two things that you've picked up to really help improve your business or, or anything like that, or even your training. So 
Right. I think the problem is a lot of us feel that whenever we do one thing, we feel like we're missing out on something else. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm going to do barbell deadlifts today, and you're like going, huh, I wonder if trap bar would be better. Or maybe I should do <laughs> hack squat deadlifts yeah. instead. Or you, know, some, you just start – no matter what you're doing, you think you think that somehow you're, you're missing out on something else. Yeah. Like you're missing the party. It's like I'm going to do kettlebell presses today, but, man, I wonder if I, if I do that, I'm, I'm not going to – I'm going to miss out on doing barbell presses or this or that. I call well, I mean, that the Anytime first. you make a decision, yeah. you have to. You're you're making a sacrifice too. But you you kind of sometimes like when you, when you start a training regimen, it's time to stop doing research at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. get on the program for five, four to six weeks. Don't keep reading about workout regimens. This is what happened to me early when I started getting into working out. Is I would get on a program, not making good progress, and then I would read about something else, and I go, man, that sounds even better. <laughs> and then I would jump on that, and then all yeah. of a sudden I just just derailed the progress I was making, trying to adapt to something else that's not going to benefit me. So it, it it takes discipline to pick a path and and stay with it long enough to get the greatest benefit before you move on to something else. Yeah, you know I call that the coach's curse, man. You when you know so much about training and <clears throat> you're aware of so many different modalities and different exercises and things like that, so you go in. That's what sucks about training yourself. Sometimes you go in, and it's like all right, I know I have to do this because this is my goal, but, you know, I know I have to go in and do just regular standard deadlifts. But then you're like, I don't feel like dealing with that bar today. I'm just going to do trap bar deadlifts. <laughs> I mean, I'm still, do, I'm still doing deadlifts, right? And just to like, overcompensate, just to add a little more weight. And when I'm done with that, I'll do some, some kettlebell good morning and some kettlebell deadlifts after that just to right. try to make yourself feel better because you didn't do the barbell deadlifts that <laughs> were prescribed for you. So you know, I've, I've been there. Like I said, it's the coach's curse when you know so much that you don't get shit done. So, right. and, and that can also, like I said, that can be said with business as well. So, again, uh, and, uh, what Mike just said about when you start a program to pretty much stop researching, doing other stuff, same thing with business. Once you, like, okay, you picked up something, you picked up a resource, and you like, okay, this could really help me out. Let me start using that technique to help me get from point A to point B. Once you start doing that, don't go back and start reading Entrepreneur Magazine or Forbes or Success and, or go to this top business person's blog or Internet Marketer's blog. In fact, if you've got all those emails from those Internet marketers, that's the time to unsubscribe when you're getting started because they're going to overwhelm you, especially at the beginning of the year because they all have something that's going to help you be the biggest, baddest, six, seven-figure business in 2014. All of them are going to be sending you that, and it's going to get overwhelmed. Turn that crap off. Once you – Get going, and you've made a decision of, like, what tool you're going to use. Use that freaking tool and get busy. If you have to build a house and they just say, look, here's some wood, here's some nails, here's a hammer, get busy. Don't go looking for a jackhammer. Don't go looking for, like, a nail gun or something like that. No, this is all you have. Make it happen. Use what you got to get what you want. I think uh, sometimes also in business, like, for example, when my testosterone booster came out earlier this year, it came out in March, I remember within days of its release, people were asking me, you know, what do you have coming out next? What's the, when's the next product going to come out? And I'm like, you guys uh, kidding me? Can you, you know buy this one? To get, yeah, exactly. You know how long it took to get this one out? It's like, I want to get, I'm going to put a lot of work into getting this out there, letting this one proliferate as much as possible before I even think about right. the next one. And my philosophy with my nutrition supplement line was the first product I came out with was my recovery oil. I didn't want to put out another one until that one was cash flow positive. So right. once I made the money back that I invested in and I'm profitable, now I can move on to the next product. And that's what I did with my testosterone booster, which was profitable really fast because that was a hot seller. And then I took that profit and I put it into Restorezyme, which came out a few months ago. And now, and now Restorezyme is cash flow positive, so I can start thinking about 
the next thing I'm going to put out. But one, I'm not in a rush to put anything out because I like to take my time, make sure it's done right. Like right now I'm working on an adrenal health formula, and I'm pretty close to having the exact formula I want. In fact, I thought I had it nailed down. It was going to be a combination of rhodiola and ashwagandha and a few other ingredients. And I've I, I started taking the raw batches I have, and I go, man, this is awesome. Can't wait to get this out there. And this was, was during an off cycle of my testosterone booster. So then I started taking my testosterone booster with it, and what I found is that some of the ingredients were overlapping. So some of the ingredients in the adrenal health product were also increasing dopamine, just like the macuna in my testosterone booster does. And you can take dopamine up too high where it starts having this kind of anxiety side effect. Because I started getting this kind of anxiety effect last week. I'm like, man, what's going on? Why do I feel this? This kind of like nervousness, anxiety, like this kind of worried state for no reason. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, I'm like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's going on here. It's like this combination's here. So let me just dial this out. Sure enough, within a couple of days, back to feeling great. So, so I mean, so these are the kind of kinks you need to work out before you bring something on the market and, and start getting people on it. Because guess what? The people, a lot of people buy my testosterone booster, so they're probably going to be – a lot of those people are going to buy the adrenal health product too. Right. And what if I didn't discover this overlap before I released it? I'd have right. a bunch of people going, man, I feel like crap on this combo. Right. So now, now that I've discovered it, I'm like, all right, I'm either going to have to dial back one ingredient or take it out altogether, replace it with something else. So, again, I'm in no rush. I'm taking my time here. When I have it, when, it, when it's right, you know, when it's ready – I'll put it out there. It's like when I saw Andrew Dice Clay, uh, when he's doing a stand-up gig a couple months ago, it's funny. He, he was taking this long pause, and someone yelled out, hey, say this, do this joke. And he's like, hey, when I'm ready. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it sounds like, like it, too. <laughs> it's like, when I'm ready. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's a good teaching point. You can pick up teaching points everywhere in life, right? Like, right, right. when I listen to him say that, I'm like, yeah, damn right, when he's ready. <laughs> so same thing with me, man. When it's right, when it's ready, then you can launch it. But I also think that I kind of looking back on my career, I, I did a, an interview with a guy named uh, Dean, a friend of mine from the UK. He has a, a great radio show out there, yeah. and uh, Dean Grimshaw. And we were, he was just asking me about different stages of my career, and I was thinking about how things just kind of worked out nicely for me without too much pre-planning, meaning that when I got into kettlebell training, when I first started my career as a kettlebell instructor, that's pretty much all I was focused on. I was putting out a ton of kettlebell articles, teaching kettlebell courses. I wrote about other things under strength and conditioning, but it was primarily a kettlebell-focused business, mm-hmm. and I did that for many years. And then I got into the whole hormone optimization thing for personal reasons, and then when I started talking to other people about it, people were so interested that that ended up becoming part of my business model, started becoming a lecture at my courses. It became individual products on their own. And then that led to the nutrition supplement thing. But, if, but when I think about all these progressions, imagine if I came out of the gate doing kettlebells, and then I decided, hey, I'm going to start selling supplements too. It would have bombed big right. time. I mean, it would have been a disaster. I didn't have anywhere near enough notoriety at that point. I didn't have anywhere near enough. I didn't even have a website. Forget about a high traffic website. I didn't even have a website right. at a page. You know? So I mean, there's a time and place for everything in that you, you don't want to try to do too many things at once. Like you, you pick one goal, you get that one going. You don't have to stay with that one path forever. You can be more dynamic, but you, right. you, got, to, you got to solidify your mark in that area first. You know, Get people to know you as a kettlebell instructor before you start expanding into other areas. 
Don't yeah. come out of the gate doing kettlebells and then you decide you want to diversify when no one even knows who the hell you are as a kettlebell person yet. You know, right. you're not ready to diversify yet, buddy. No one knows who the fuck you are yet. You know, <laughs> get that established, then you can start establishing other arenas. But you know what? When you say that, Mike, someone's like. You ain't got all the answers, Mike. You don't have all the answers. <laughs> that, 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 that interview is hilarious, though. We're, we're talking okay, about, we're talking about? Kanye, yeah, Kanye West and Sway. Go check <laughs> out Kanye West and Sway on YouTube. There's this interview where like, Kanye just starts going off. They're talking about, like, a clothing company. And, and Sway is like, look, man, you got a big bankroll. Why, why don't you just fund all this stuff yourself? That's not the way I want to do it, Sway. Kanye wants to be accepted by all the top fashion houses out there. And right. he's talking about the struggle because pretty much they're trying to, quote, unquote, marginalize him just pretty much, you know, being the face behind a, a line of sneakers. And he wants to really become this fashion icon. Well, he's pretty much known. Now, here's where the, the connection is not really working for him, unlike what just happened for Mike. Everything pretty much worked out well with Mike when we were talking about you know, I'm going from kettlebells to hormone optimization to supplements. Everything kind of fit into place. Kanye just wants to go now. Of course, somebody out there, especially if you are really into hip-hop, you're going to think, well, hip-hop and fashion go hand-in-hand. Hand. Not necessarily. No, hip-hop and consumption of fashion goes hand-in-hand. Hand. A lot of times what you're seeing here is a lot of artists buying other people's products and wearing it, and pretty much maybe they'll get an endorsement or they'll act like they're getting an endorsement by wearing it all, all the time and hoping to get one eventually. Or they're not necessarily – they'll put out a product, and you don't even know who they are. And even Sway talked about this when Kanye goes off on him. He's like, you don't know, you don't know what I'm talking about, Sway. You, you haven't been where I am. And Sway goes, I have. He goes, he's like, I've had my own clothing line. He's like, yeah, but no – and Kanye goes, well, no one's heard of it. And, and, and Sway admits, he goes, exactly. I lost a lot of money. That's why I'm not doing it. So, but he said, what I'm telling you, Kanye, is like you have the money. Once you bank, you're, you're banking here. So once you bankroll – your own line, and why are you depending on these top fashion houses to accept you and to try to carry and bring you in and let you in? So then he just Kanye just goes off. Yeah, but you don't have all the answers, Sway. You don't have all the answers. And he's just going <laughs> that shit crazy. Which this is Kanye. So why are you surprised? So anyway, <laughs> it's one of those things, man. Like I was telling Mike, and, and I saw this a couple of weeks ago, and Mike showed the link to me as well. I was like, yeah, man. I said, but Kanye is one of those guys, man, where. Yeah, I know people love him or people hate him. He's one of those people that are always interesting to me. It's like I, I have no opinion of both. It's just he's entertaining to watch because he's just like, what meltdown are we going to get today? And it's, I mean, maybe that's just the, the love of psychology in me. I'm like, God, I would just love to have this dude on the couch. And just you like, know what? Just, in some ways, I mean, it, it's an honest reaction on his part. Right? Yeah, I get it. Most people try to contain themselves yeah. when they're in an interviewer setting. They'll be, they'll, they try to be like a politician, just go into their best self as they're being interviewed. Sometimes yeah. it's refreshing just to get someone who's having an authentic reaction like that. You yeah, know I mean? exactly. yeah, we were all laughing. We we're like, man, this guy's kind of a nut. But, but hey, at least he's being authentic. You know, we yeah, know it's, this it's, guy coming, it's coming from a place. It's coming from an honest place. It's coming from him. It's not an act. This is who he is. Because my thing yeah, is, when, exactly. people, when people are acting, they can only do it for so long before the, their real selves come out. Kanye is like this. All the time. He's always, as they say in hip-hop, he always keeps it 100. <laughs> okay, he's 100% <laughs> like this all the time. So you can go find a million. I mean, this case in point, on a popular standpoint, just in pop culture, the rest of the world already saw what people in the music industry and the world that I came from, what we already saw and what we already knew. When they saw him snipe Taylor Swift on the MTV Awards, you know, a few years back, most people were like, what the hell's wrong with him? And we're all like, oh, boy. 
<laughs> it's like now, now you're in that pop culture world now, and okay, you're gonna catch some heat because we've allowed this to go on for years and not really said much. It's like, oh, that boy's crazy. But now it's like, okay, everyone else, the rest of the world's looking like this dude is insane. Who is this guy? Well, why is he discriminating about Beyonce having the greatest video of all time? And why is he attacking that poor girl? <laughs> and, you know, and trust me, you don't think Taylor Swift didn't milk that victim role for years there after that oh, happened? Yeah. So, and that's my opinion, but yes, she, she milked it. She milked it. She's the poor, innocent victim in the situation. She didn't understand what, what was going on. Was so yeah. And yeah, he was rude. Yeah, it was rude of what he did. Yeah, that was rude, but people just keep going on and on. Like, it's the music industry, people. When do people not do things like that in the industry? You know, it's entertainment, well, I mean, I mean, and that's what they do. These, you, got these, you got these genocides happening all over the world, and this is <laughs> yeah. newsworthy. Come on. Even the president <laughs> got involved. Oh, that Kanye is a selfie. Like, why, why do you even know about it? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and then poor guy, he's like, yeah, you, got, I, you don't understand. So I got everybody attacking me. You got the president attacking me. I'm like, it's called, I'm like, Kanye, that's called deflection. Okay, it's not. He's not really attacking you. He's trying to make sure people are not attacking him at the time. So that's why he's calling you a jackass because there are quite a few people calling him a jackass. <laughs> you know what's funny is that there's that there's a there's a part of a lot of people that love to see people kind of crash and burn. Of course, like of course. Again, you know, like the- some, some dude sitting at home eating his fifth bowl of popcorn and he's got a miserable life and he's going, ha ha, look at this jackass. You know, it's like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> and you're doing so much better. <laughs> but, 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 but something about people, they love to see people crash and burn. They, they, just, right. they just want to see those things implode. And that's, that's what you're going to have to deal with to a much lar- lesser extent, of course, whenever you try to do anything meaningful, right? So maybe you're thinking about starting a business or you're looking mm-hmm. at changing the trajectory in your life and you're telling a bunch of people and they're all just being doomsday sayers for you, that's, that's going to be part of the game. So you, you can't yeah. let that be something that discourages you because no matter anytime you're someone's trying to better themselves, there's going to be people around who hope that it doesn't work out because then it makes them feel better for not taking the initiative. Exactly. They, they could be like, see, I didn't waste my time like that idiot. He tried to better exactly. himself. It didn't work. He could have just done what I'm doing. Nothing. Hey, man, one thing about being an action taker, man, you are a grim reminder of those people who sit on their ass and they're always afraid to do the next thing or to do anything or do anything that even matters to them or to even try to find something that matters to them. You are a grim reminder that you are the truth. You know, when you're in your own truth, dude, you're the truth to them. And when people are living a lie, the last thing they want to do is actually see or hear the truth. So you got to, you got to just buckle down and understand that, Hey, the haters are going to come. I hate even using haters because to me, I have another problem because most, people, most of the people that <laughs> most of the people that they have haters, they don't have haters. The only haters right. they have are the haters that they have within. Like, man, you know what? Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. Like, no, nobody's even paying attention to you. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, who's hating you? Who are you? Yeah, and most of the time, they can't even answer that question. They don't even know who they are. Like, dude, nobody's hating on you. It's just shut up. <laughs> I hate that phrase. It's a luxury, it's a luxury problem. You exactly. Like, you know, man, I'm out here just trying to do my thing. I got all these haters out here. I'm like, dude. No, you got a lot of haters inside because you're not feeling confident about the things you're doing because if you really felt confident, you wouldn't even see the haters or even give a damn about the haters. You're like, you know what? Whatever, dude. It's a part of the game, and I'm still going to do what I have to do. And then somebody out there looks like, that's what I'm saying. When I'm saying them haters out there, I'm, you know, haters going to hate. I'm going to still do my thing. Like, okay, you sound like a rap lyric. That doesn't even sound like it came from you. Just, just, <laughs> just shut up, man. <laughs> I, I think that's why it's, it's, it's really important to try to surround yourself with people that are all about improving their lives in some capacity right. as much as you can. I mean, sometimes you don't have any of those people around you, and you're just off on your own. And I've been through different phases in my life where – 
no one around me is really trying to improve anything. So you're right. just like, you know what? I'm just not going to hang out with any of these people. I'm just <laughs> going to buckle down and go into hermit mode and focus on improving myself. And then once you start having some successes, you start meeting those interesting people again. Like right. I've, I've met so many great, I mean, we met through this business and I've met so many good people through this business. And now through the podcast, it's even better because a lot of people talk about how they listen to our show and it's so inspiring for them and it's given them that extra surge. Well, I mean, it does the same for us as well. Right. I look forward to it every week where I'm going, oh, cool, we're talking to Vince McConnell today or we're talking to Udo Erasmus or we're talking to Robert Green or Daniel Cole. I mean, if we get just as excited as anyone listening does, probably more so because right. we're the ones talking to them. So, right. it's, so it's cool. But you go through those phases sometimes where there, there aren't really any positive influences around, and you're going you're gonna to be in that solitude state, and you're just going to have to accept it and buckle down. And once you start making some moves and people see it, you're going to start being around some more interesting people again. You're going to start yeah. surrounding yourself with those people that are working on improving themselves as well. I know people listen thinking like, well, once I become successful, that's when all the, you know, the, the all the, the haters are going to come out of the woodworks and they're going to want something. But you know what? You know, just, you know, the thing is, as you rise on that level of success and that meter starts going up, also raise your bullshit meter as well and start really questioning like, okay, and why is this person around again? Like Mike said, get the people who are like also trying to better their lives. So therefore you, you won't even be bothered when people come out of the woodworks. It'll be so much easier to say, no, but man, can I, bo-? no, but I want no. I can't do that. I'll tell somebody, I mean, if it's somebody I care about, like, here's the reason why. Because I care about them, I actually give them an explanation. I'm like, look, dude, I'm doing you a disservice by just giving you something. That's, I'm not helping you be the best person that you can be. And, I mean, dude, you've got this talent and this and this and this. Why would I take that away from you? Why would I just give you something so, therefore, you never really see who you really are? I said, basically, well, I'm, I'm manipulating you by giving you this. See, when you put it like that, that makes people think. I'm like, I said, basically, I'm trying to form you into something that you're not. I'm trying to make you into the person I need you to be. I said, how does that feel trying to be in control by me? Even though it feels like you're trying to control, get something out of me and control me, I'm actually controlling you because now you're also going to be thinking, like, he gave me this. One of two things are going to happen. You're not going to use any of the talents or anything you can to get to where you need to be, or you're going to go there or whatever, and, and you're going to sit there and think, like, well, man, um, I, now I owe, I owe sincere this and I owe him that. And then you start feeling guilty about it, especially because I didn't just offer it to you. You came and asked me about it. So now you got that guilt and that's, that brings on a whole new set of problems. Now there's something to be said now about mentor. Now, when you see someone right. on your own that you like, I see something that dude right there and you reach out to them. And let me tell you, there's nothing greater than, especially when you're starting a business to get a mentor so it works two ways. A lot of times you have a lot of people who are very successful that want to mentor. That's one thing I learned throughout the years. There are millionaires and billionaires out there, and most people think on the outside looking in, these guys don't have time for anyone. A lot of times they are very busy, but also it's just the way that you approach them if you right. know one, and you, right. they're doing something that you really want to do. So the thing is, if you bring something to the table, because sometimes just not being an asshole, like I said, just ask them a bunch of stuff, and you never actually take, take their advice, of course, they don't want to deal with that. But if you, they give you one little nugget and they sit down with you like, hey, this, this, is why, this is where I came from. This is how I started. Here's some ups and downs, and this is what I want you to avoid, blah, blah, blah. You should think about this. And why don't you try this? Well, guess what? They're not just saying that just to be speaking. Take that one thing and go do it. And, dude, check back in with them. Like, you know what? I listened to what you said. I put that in place, and this is what's happening. That makes them feel like, you know, they didn't just waste their time with you. Right, and right. they'll really take you under their wing. I mean, pretty much everyone that's really, really successful has some type of mentor, whether it was someone they knew personally, they could like have a face-to-face 
a relationship with, or there are those virtual mentors out there. Hell, I, I have plenty that I haven't even, I haven't even met them. And, but the thing is, I've followed them. I've paid attention to them. I've seen the things they've done, and I've been inspired by that. And they, when they share the different things in different arenas in which they may present or speak or something like that, I pick up that one nugget. It's kind of like, like Mike said about Andrew Dice Clay. He picked up that one little nugget right there. You know, <laughs> a nice little reminder. You know, when I'm ready. That's a very powerful statement right there. <laughs> you, know, you know, basically, this is my thing. And when I say it's my thing, this is what I'm trying to do right here. And you're going to let me do it. You paid to come see me do my thing. You don't get to dictate that. Your, your amount of control came from the fact that you bought a ticket, and I'm going to do my thing to entertain you, so therefore you get something out of that. But you're not going to sit here and come and tell me how to do my job. Otherwise, if you were great at it, you would be here on this stage. But you're not on this stage. Now, of course, <laughs> I'm still going to treat you with respect, but, again, you're going to respect me at the same time. You don't tell me what to do. I've been doing this for 30, 40 years you know, on the stage being a comedian, and I don't even know what you do. Who are you other than a heckler right now? So if you're a professional heckler, how many of those people do we know? How many of those are big in business and uh, like icons? None. So you keep doing your job, Ben Heckler, but just be quiet. Let me do my job, and I will do it when I'm ready. Something to be said about that, man. But, again, that's a good little nugget that we picked up on. So there's a mentorship right there from Andrew Dice Clay. So we can add yeah. him to the list of mentors. <laughs> okay. No, no, well, well, we'll get him on the show, too. Be oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. No, I like what you said because it reminds me of how many people I've given advice to over the years and, and how few of them actually do anything with it, but then they still come back for more advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the, the first advice was good, buddy, right? It's not like that advice sucked and you need to come back for more. <laughs> that was good shit. There's a guy named – there's a guy, yeah, exactly. There's a guy named Luke Snusky who, he's an IKFF guy, and oh, he, yeah, he was he was based in in LA for a while. He actually took a a job in New Zealand, still yeah. under the fitness banner. Interesting guy. But anyway, I remember he, he was asking me a bunch of questions after taking one of my courses. We had a meal afterwards, and he has an interesting background of he's an accountant and he's very well versed in a lot of different fitness modalities and nutrition and so forth. Taking a lot of courses, very sharp guy. And I said, well, look, man, if you're trying to bridge these two worlds together, you know, how about writing fitness and nutrition-based information for accountants in sources that they go to, accountant wow. magazines, newsletters, things of those nature? Mm-hmm. And a couple months later, he's like, hey, I just want to let you know I took you up on your advice, and I actually have a column now in these different places. And I was like, wow, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Because so I was like, you know, how many times, you know how many times I've told that same advice to people in different contexts? And how many of them got excited about it but never did anything with it? He's exactly. the only person I can think of who actually did something with that. I've told that same level of advice to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, write for your local paper. Get a column in this. Do that. Do this on your website. This, that, and so forth. It's, right. it's easy to get excited about. It's a lot harder to actually engage and do it. And he's the only one I can think of. And like you said, it was cool for me to, to hear that as someone that was mentoring him in this context because right. it made me feel that, Someone actually took my advice, my time and my advice seriously instead of mm-hmm. just me wasting my time. So I think I think you're right in the sense that it's not that we don't like to give that advice to people. We just don't like it when it's wasted. Right. So I think I think a lot of successful people feel the same way. Is they don't mind taking someone under their wing. They don't mind giving out advice or giving someone a step up. But they don't like it when someone doesn't value their time and they don't right. value the opportunity. That irritates. Someone. And right. I, I can relate to that all too well. It's just very irritating when you give someone that in 
and they don't value it or take it. I mean, when people gave me in, I, I, I broke the whole wall down with it. <laughs> I remember one time Paul Vosotelin said, hey, why don't you write an article about, about getting bigger and stronger with kettlebells, and I'll get it into muscle media. And he had a column at that time. We were having lunch. I, I went home right after that lunch meeting and wrote the article, emailed it to him that day. And even he was like, whoa, you know, this, this is a pretty fast turnaround, man. It's like, all right, I'll get it in. And right. I, don't know if, I don't know if it ever got in or not because the bag seat ended up folding. But I think that that's the level of determination you have to have. You know, that's me respecting him going out on a ledge for me. He's saying, hey, do this, and I'll get it in here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, rather than say, well, you know, I'll get around to that when it's convenient for me, I was like, no, I'm going to do that right now. I want to make sure I capitalize on that opportunity. Right. I mean, the same thing when we first worked together, I was like, I know you always talked about, you know, having the DVD as support material of the workshop. And that always stuck in my mind from the first course that I attended of yours was collision course. And I remember just the feeling of when I got that DVD, like I've bought you DVDs before that, the boys are back in town and all that, but to actually be at a course and really get it when you say like, Hey, there's only so much information you're going to retain, you know? So that's why, you know, you're going to get a copy of the DVD. And then once I got that DVD, there's so many things, I was like, oh, damn, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And then I really saw the value of that. And when you came out to Houston the first time, that's why I had no problem. I was like, hey, man, look, I want to take your advice on this. And I actually want to film this workshop, my portion of the workshop, and film the body weight portion of it and make a DVD out of it. And you're like, cool, do it. No problem. You know, of course, yeah, because I'm not just going to impose on your workshop. Like, I'm going to film this. You know, I still wanted to make sure that you'd be respectful of your workshop. And I'm a guest. You know, you have some people who are just like, I'm going to film this, and they got a camera set up. And you're like, hey, you're just not going to let me know you're going to do that? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, and, and, but, in the real, there's a camera crew there. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? Eyewitness News? What the hell is going on here? And then on top of that, yeah, they're, they're, if someone's mentoring you or they're working with you in a joint venture, like I said, we've said this a million times. You've got to make sure that it's a win-win situation for them. So in the situation I'm talking about with me filming my DVD during the workshop that Mike and I did together, on the flip side, I was like, hey, dude, also, you know, I'm going to create an affiliate program. I definitely want you to be an affiliate. So, therefore, you can also make money from this DVD as well. And on top of that, you know, I'm going to give you a different percentage than all the rest because, again, it's a workshop you and I did together. And at the same time, I feel like, you have a lot more influence than probably a lot of people that become affiliates with me. So I want to make it very inviting for you because you have put in a lot of time. You have built this big following or whatever. I'm not just going to sit there and try to whore off your list and just try to suck all your subscribers and try to build my list up. And too many people do that. It, it, it pisses me off when people do that and like, hey, we want to add you to this conference, you know, this online conference that we're doing and blah, blah, blah. And you just have to send us out to your list like, so they can pretty much have your list go to a squeeze page of theirs and become a member of their list. I hate that. When you put on your, on your website that, you know, we, we hate spam like everyone else and we'll never sell your information to any other list of blah, blah, blah. But guess what? When you do things like that, just to put these programs and you're trying to hop on all these different affiliate programs to sell a product for these folks and they end up going to a squeeze page of that other person, you're pretty much selling your list out to these folks. So you got to be very careful about those type things. So again, make it a win-win situation. So, and that's, that's, I brought that to the table. It wasn't just about like, yeah, well, you know, now, you know, I know Mike's got a big list, so let me go ahead and, uh, you know, just go ahead and do this. And, yeah, man, do you think you can just tell your folks about my DVD? No, dude. Make them an affiliate. Make it worth their while and make sure that they're really getting something from the deal as well because they worked hard to build that list and to get those followers. And guess what? Those people – 
they bought into that person that you're working with. Don't F up their relationship with their followers, you know, just for your own profit, and then you cut loose, and then you'll never be heard from again. So always think about, is it going to be a win-win situation for that person? And same thing with that mentor. If he's giving you advice, when you ask, before you ask that question, how is this going to be a win-win for that person when they give you that advice? So, because guess what? They put in a lot of work to get that advice to give you. So they, that's blood, sweat, and tears behind some of the information they're giving you right there. So think about that kind of stuff, man. Yeah, so you, you want people to feel good about these things so that they want to work with you again is also the thing here because you're yeah. building these long-term relationships. So when you, when you have the opportunity to work with someone who's influential who can potentially help out your business quite a bit, and you, have, you want that to be a positive experience so that they want to keep doing it. And then you want right. it to be a positive experience for yourself as well, so you want to keep doing it. And that's how you create those win-win scenarios. But I think, I think you, you hit the nail on the head where too many people are they, – they, they come at you with how what you're going to do is going to help them. Like, hey, I, I need your help with this, and this is how it will help me. It's like, okay, well, how is it going to help me? You know? And when I started – one of the things I did early in my business career is I wanted to get into the business and network with a lot of high-profile people, but I didn't want to do what I call nuisance networking, where, where you're just bothering people. Right. So I contacted people like Frank Shamrock and Richard Makowitz and Tudor Bumpa and you know, all these high-level people in fitness or fitness-related endeavors, mm-hmm. and I said I want to interview them for a publication. I had just started writing some articles for Teen Nation at the time, so I was confident I could get it in there. But I was also confident with the right person I could get it into a more high-profile publication as well. And most of the time, people were really amenable to this. And then I would call these people up. You record the conversation. You transcribe it. You know, this is way before all the technology we have now came out. And right. one, one, it was, you're, it's all about them. You know, I didn't say, please do an interview with me because it will help my career. <laughs> I said, yeah. I want to do an interview with you because it's going to help build whatever you're working on. Right. And that's all I said. And then you do a really good job with it. People remember that. But also, you're talking to someone on the phone for an hour for the interview. So it, it's kind of like our podcast when we interview people. You're, you're getting to know that person. They're getting to know you. It's a very powerful networking opportunity. And when you got these articles published, like when I sent Frank Shamrock the first interview I did with him, and it was published, and he started getting a ton of traffic from that. I mean, he was really excited about that. He's like, and then we did another interview, and I got that into a magazine, and that helped him. And then I taught a course at his gym, and he took it. You know, so it was cool. It was a step-by-step process. And I, and I, I remember I interviewed Clarence Bass, and I got him on the front mm-hmm. cover of Iron Man magazine, and he was elated by that. And then he and I developed a nice dialogue. So it's a, it's a very effective way to make everyone be part of a win-win scenario. You're getting right. the network with them. You're, you're leveraging their bigger name and branding to get your name out there, but you're not doing it in a way where it's just self-serving. It's benefiting right. them a great deal, and as a result, you're benefiting it from as well. So that's, that's always my advice to a lot of people too is when you first get into a business like ours, no one really knows who you are. So yes, you want to, you want to start establishing your brand by writing a ton of articles, putting a lot of info out there, but also start – leveraging other people's branding in a good way by using a skillful course of action, such as the interview method, which is very effective. Exactly. And there are various ways of doing the interview method. Do what you're comfortable with. And if you're not comfortable with any of the ones I'm about to mention right now, find a way to get comfortable with them. So you can use blogs. Again, whether it's your own personal blog or you can do guest blogging. But, and, it, and there's a whole different process to guest blogging too, which we'll cover in a future show as well of how about going how going about being a guest blogger and all the right ways to do it and the wrong ways to do it. 
one of the worst things you could ever do is just to reach out to someone like, hey, man, I'd like to write a guest blog post for you. And um, I already have it ready, and it's going to cover it. Here you go. Um, a, I don't know you. <laughs> B, <laughs> B, I mean, do you even know the style and the tone of my blog? So, so if you don't, I mean, first of all, how are you coming to me with this prefabricated blog post ready to go? C, who else are you sending this blog post to? Because obviously you got this ready to go for anyone that'll accept it. Here's the people know my tone. When you're reading a blog post from me, you can hear me talking. You know, when you read some copy from Mike, you can hear Mike talking when you read that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he and I have a certain tone, and I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. We can be a little sarcastic, <laughs> just a little, just, <laughs> just a little. You know, very, very in your face, but not too, you know, abrasive. And but one thing about it, we're not political, and we're not the ones who bring that, you know, well, you know, blah, 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 that, that safe voice. That's not us. So if you come with that nice, safe, and here, and blah, 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 and, you know, Latissimus Dorsey, and blah, 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 and if you end up sounding like a college professor, my people will see right through you, like, who the F is this? It's like, it goes back to the Samuel Jackson quote from um, Coming to America. Who the F is this asshole? (laughs) (laughs) So people can see right through you, man. It'll be bad for business on my end, because after you write that post, well, hey, no one will hear from you again, because it's just the reaction I got from everybody. So again, man, make sure it's a win-win for everyone, and also use these different mediums. Blog posts are good for the interviews. Again, you can do what we're doing. You can do a podcast. There's YouTube. There's Google Plus. There's, you can do Google Plus Hangouts. There are so many different opportunities and mediums out there now to get stuff done. But the most important element is you got to do it. You got to pick one and do it. And guess what? It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. So get over it. Just do it. Clean it up later. Clean it up later. You know, repurpose it later. Do whatever, but just effing do it, man. You gotta just get started and just make it happen. And don't even, don't even. Yeah, somebody's gonna critique you. Somebody's gonna say, "Hey, man, that sounded like crap." You bubble. You know what? But I did it. I did it. Thank you for your, you know, whatever. But I did it. And guess what? Keep improving on that. And when you do do it, don't think that it is perfect and that you know, yeah, I made it. Now I did my first interview. You can't tell me nothing. Uh, I can tell you something. <laughs> you just got started. You got a lot of more. You got a lot more work to do, buddy. And well, it's just like this podcast, right? I mean, yeah. we, we could we could have delayed this forever. And then I re- I remember you distinctly saying, "Let's just let's just pick a date right now when we're going to get started, no matter what." And it was right. May first, I believe, or somewhere in May. And then mm-hmm. we just did it. We're like, "All right, we said we're going to do it. So let's just call each other up and get it going right now." Right. And, it, and it was very it was very raw and somewhat rough, and it took a while to get into a flow and so forth. And we're still working on that. It's not mm-hmm. like we have it mastered now, but we've drastically improved, you know. From yeah. where, we, where we started in a pretty short time frame, and it's, it's only going to get better. But we, we could have come up with a million reasons to keep delaying. Like, oh, let's just wait yeah. till we have this. Oh, let's just wait till we do this. Oh, then we can do this. And then this whole year would have gone by, and we didn't even get started. Exactly. And, then now, and now we have a ton of momentum going into January. You know, we've got a lot of high-profile guests on the way. We've had a ton of high-profile guests already. Yeah. So we have, we have a lot of momentum going into these into January to really crush it next year. Yeah, we're right around 40 shows already, man. So we're almost to that halfway point of getting to 100 shows. And for the podcasting world to make it to that, make it to 100 episodes, man, that says a lot. It's kind of like business. I mean, the first thing about when you're starting a new business, it's about getting through that first year just to get, some, just to get going and really start working out the rough patches. Not to say that they're all going to go away in that first year, but you know what? You've, now that you've proven that, okay, I'm here to stay. I'm here to try to pound this out right now. And then guess what? 
It goes another year. You got more momentum. Third year, you may actually see a little bit of a profit now. Fourth year, right. fifth year. So, and then it's like, oh, now I'm actually in the black all the time now because you've taken the bumps and bruises. You've had the ups and downs. You've made the mistakes. You've learned from the mistakes, hopefully. And you've made some adjustments. Hopefully, you've become a lot more efficient on how you're running that business. You know, same thing we're doing with this podcast. We're constantly trying to find different ways to make this whole process as efficient as possible. Like I said, we talked about this before. I think what really helps is the fact it's two of us, and we don't micromanage each other. It's like, hey, Mike, yeah. he's good at doing this and getting this together. You know, I'm good at doing this and getting this together, and we trust each other and make it happen. And this is – you can use this with pretty much any aspect, whether you're coaching, you've got a coaching business, whether you're – you know, you have a gym, you can do this with your – any other – any of your entrepreneurial, like, aspects out there. Make sure you build a team – and you trust them. And it doesn't have to be a team that you have to see physically every day, even for a virtual team. The same thing works. Even if you have to go out and get a virtual assistant or, you know, get a graphic designer that's over in another country, make sure, A, they understand what you're doing. So I would suggest when you're working with virtual teams that you invest in some type of software where you can do screenshots so, so therefore, or screen captures. So, therefore, in any way that you want to set up your business, you can just pretty much narrate it and just go through the process like, okay, this is how I want you to do with blog posts. And here I am logging in, blah, blah. And they're actually seeing it, not just actually getting a long email because some people are a lot better at being visual and seeing it happen right there in front of them and seeing the step-by-step process instead of reading the step-by-step process. I'm one of those, I'm more visual than anything. When I'm reading something, it's because I'm very interested in reading it. But when it comes to you trying to just give me instructions, I'm like, oh, really? Can you just tell me or just show me? Then I'll get it because then I'll start putting words to, to visuals instead of just seeing words on a piece of paper, whereas I'm not seeing the actual action correlating with these words right then. That's just me. That's just the right brain person to me. So, right. again, like I said, if you don't work with virtual teams, you've got you to make sure that they can understand where you're coming from. And, therefore, once you do that and show them how to run your things for you, then you can step back and you don't have to wear all those freaking hats because that's the curse of an entrepreneur right there. You, you're always feeling that. No one can run your business or do your business better than you. Well, guess what? You're right, but you need to get over it. You know, so you, gotta, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. They may not can do it as great as you because guess what? It's your business, so no one's going to have the passion for it like you are. It's your baby. Just like, it's just, just like that phrase, just, it's your baby. Most people think their kids are the best kids in the freaking world and everybody else's kids are a pain in the ass. And a lot of times that could be true, but guess what? Your kids could be a pain in the ass to everyone else as well. <laughs> but you're never. But in your mind, you're like, they're my little angels. They're the sweetest kids in the world. And other people are like, those kids are baby. What are you talking about? <laughs> so the same thing with your business, man. You might think like, yeah, you're not got the best business in the world, but here's the deal. You have to take that passion and be passionate about it. Like, here, this is how you should do this, this, and the other when you're dealing with your virtual team and make it as understandable as possible for them and also understand that it's never again it's not going to be perfect because it's not theirs so it's just like anything if you go to a certain business you may know the owner and the manager and they're so awesome and then there's that one day you go in the manager's not there the owner's not there but it's just some little high school kid employee right there who just seems like they're going through the motions and one of those things i can tell you about is kind of get into our coffee discussion that we didn't get around to last time starbucks case in point i love coffee and usually Starbucks is not the top of my list when it comes to great coffee. You know, what, what happens with Starbucks is this culture, and it's also this customer service. I know a lot of people who actually know anything about coffee will probably tell you coffee at Starbucks tastes like ass. 
for the most part. Okay. <laughs> Not that I know what the ass tastes like, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but I'm saying – most yeah, times just, it is just, not just don't say just don't say some Home Depot guy told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know that man. guy at Home Depot in aisle four who just who's, who's <laughs> well, you know going on trainer. and on and on about what ass tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> you know that ex trainer you know who ends up like he leaves the business and he worked at Home Depot and he sucked at that and now he works at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, that guy. So no, but, but most people will tell you it's just the it's the environment and the culture of Starbucks that keeps people coming. One thing about that man again, it goes back to. You may, you may have that one barista who just doesn't care, and that just ruins your experience. I've been there, and I know – I understand the culture of Starbucks. Well, if I have to go, then it's never – it's not – in the most part, it's not a bad experience because I'm like, you know what? At least the baristas will be friendly and, you know, it's just kind of cool, you know, just the whole of the culture. And just the people watching there is really, really cool. But every now and then you kind of get that one, especially with those one-off Starbucks that are not a real, like, standalone Starbucks, the ones you might find inside Target or something like that. It's just use those bootleg Starbucks that are the worst. And you just kind of have somebody going through the motions. They have an attitude. They seem like they don't want to be there. And for someone that's really into being a, a home brewer, I – really get when you really put in a lot of your love and attention into putting some coffee. Most people say, it's just coffee. You know, with anything that you consume, man, there's, the best ingredient is love. You can always tell when somebody put love into it. You can just tell when somebody just, you know, got the porter filter, put in the coffee, just threw it in there, and they didn't put enough coffee in it, so they end up under-extracting it. And, you know, I'm not using foreign terms, but here's how you know when something's under-extracted. When that coffee tastes like just brown water, okay, it's watery, there's just really, it's very weak, that's an under-extraction. Or when they over-extract it, when it just tastes like it's just burnt and it's sour and it's bitter. So there's an art to getting that balance between the two and getting the right extraction. You can always tell. I like to, at this point now that I'm really getting into, you know, coffee and the whole business of coffee, now when I'm ordering coffee, I don't care where I go. I'm watching the barista. I'm watching the whole process now. And I can really tell the ones who are really proud of what they're doing. And it really shows in that coffee. So every now and then, I get a good cup of coffee at Starbucks. And I can tell when it's going to be a good cup of coffee. Sometimes I can tell right now, like, oh, this one's going to suck. This is going to suck. I can tell right now, just she didn't put enough coffee in there. There's not enough grounds. This is going to be so watery. And guess what? I'm not the guy. I'm not afraid to say, hey, can I get another one, please, once I taste it? And I said, can you just add a little bit more coffee to it? So it also helps to be a very educated consumer. If that's something that you really, really love, it doesn't hurt to know a little bit of something about it. So it's always great. Man, the funniest thing is to go into a Starbucks and like, um, can you make me another? Because this one was under-extracted. And the look on their face, because they're kind of like, now they're like, oh, this dude actually knows what he's talking about. Let me get back on my game. Because again, they don't know who you are. You could just be like a secret shopper or something like that for the company. They they kind of like up their game and then you end up getting a better cut from that standpoint. Like I said, it doesn't hurt to actually learn a little bit about it whatever that you really, really love, man, can kind of help people get their game up. But anyway, getting back to what we're talking about, man, it's just when it comes to your business, man, no one's going to love it more than you, but you got to take those hats off and get some people to come in and help you because otherwise if you're trying to do it all by yourself, you're going to get nowhere fast, nowhere fast. So again, especially if you really want to expand. Now, if you're going to contain it a little bit and well, you got to understand this, if you're going to do, let's just say, for example, I'll take Mike, for example. Now, imagine you, Mike, in 2003, thinking like, you know what? I'm going to start doing kettlebell workshops. I'm going to start doing I'm selling supplements, and I'm going to start just talking about hormone lectures, and I'm going to do all this in my first year. 
I can guarantee you, you would probably not be on this. You would not be on this call right now because you wouldn't even be. I don't think you would have made it in this business at that point. You would have been like, you know, screw this. I'm gonna go work at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You kind of have to. Success is kind of like a snowball, right? It's like you have yeah. this. You have one success, and then the ball is bigger as it rolls down the hill. Then you have a. You feed that into another success, and it just yeah. keeps getting bigger and bigger, and you have more momentum. And I think that's an important thing to do too. Is sometimes it's not just our industry. It's it's any industry. Let's say you come out of the gate super excited, and for a couple of years you are, and then you didn't you didn't expand any other interests. So all of a sudden, what was initially exciting is no longer that exciting anymore. But you have nowhere to go to because you right. didn't expand any, you didn't develop any other interests while you're doing that. Now, one thing about our industry is that I think both of us can safely say we can't get enough of this. I'm always right. interested in training ideas, nutrition ideas, supplement ideas. I'm always reading up about the stuff, always looking into things. No matter what I find, I'm always looking for something better, right? It's just, a, it's just like a healthy curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really saves you in an industry like this is that eventually, if you just do one thing over and over and over again, eventually it's going to be start, start becoming a job. It's not going to be exciting anymore. Right. But the way to the way to avoid something just becoming a job is you can start modifying things. You can start going in different directions. You know that's where my Live Life Aggressively book came. It's not even doesn't even have anything to do with the fitness industry. It's a total departure from that, and it was right. a big hit because I had done these blog posts within my newsletter blast outs where people realized, okay, he's got that side of him. So they were prepared for that. So when I came out with that book. It, it made sense rather than why is this guy writing about this topic? Right. So I think, I think where I'm going is that don't be afraid to expand into other areas that may be outside of your expertise that are interesting. You, know, you start learning about other things, and then when you start having a good grasp of it, you can, that could become another part of your business model or a separate business or something along those lines. It's kind of like some entertainers who start off as a musician, and then they get into acting. And then all of a sudden they're not doing the music anymore because they love acting so much more. And then they get burned out with that. So now they're a director or a producer, or now they're writing books. You know, take a page from that in the sense that you don't have to be pigeonholed to one career path for the rest of your life. And if you want to, go for it. If you you want to do 40 years of training and you never get bored of it, you just love it, great, more power to you. If, If you find that it's not as appealing as it used to be, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to quit altogether. Maybe you need to add some nuance to it to keep it exciting. Yeah, like Kanye, but just know that <laughs> just know that you don't have all the answers. <laughs> so, so yeah, man. So that's good stuff. And um, I think before we run out of time, here, let's get to one question, which is kind of relevant right now with the holidays here. Um, basically, the listener says that they have a lot of holiday parties and get-togethers, and well, Christmas and New Year's and all that that's coming up. How do they? They want to know how can they stay on track and enjoy their time with friends and family, but they don't want to stray too far from the progress that they made as far as the training and their diet. And they don't want to be the Debbie Downer when they're hanging out and necessarily have to turn down all these different foods and all these treats or things like that. So they want to, how can they make that happen? And like I said, and still stay within reach of where the progress that they're having right now. So I'll let oh, you no, go first, these, man. These kind of questions always crack me up, all right? Because, you know, <laughs> I, I've been to a lot of different parties and things like that, and, and yeah. people, if people serve me something and I don't want it, I, I don't feel obligated to eat it. 
You know, I follow a plant-based vegan slash diet, so a lot of times I walk into places where there isn't anything I can eat. I just don't eat. It's not right. like I'm trying to be rude. It's just that it, it violates my principles. Mm-hmm. But it's not like anyone thinks I'm being rude either. It's, it, usually they'll have stuff for me, or they're like, oh, sorry about that. We can get this or that. Because I'm going there to socialize. You know, I'm not going there to eat a bunch of food all day long. You know, I'm going there to meet interesting people, have some good conversations. And if I feel like eating something, I will. If I don't, then I won't. So I, so I, I think a lot of this pressure is self-imposed that people yeah. are talking about. I mean, where's this pressure coming from? You know, I've, I've never, I've never gone to someone's Christmas party where they're like, oh, you have to eat this cake. You know, I'm a grown man. <laughs> That's hey, some cake, anime. Some cake, right? Cake, anime. <laughs> okay, peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure. I mean, what is this? Uh, the playground? You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, if you're a, if you're a health conscious person and your your friends should know that, and they're going to respect that. And if they don't, then what are you even doing at that party? So I mean, that that might be like an like an overly harsh answer, but it's it's just kind of where I'm going with this thing is that I, I don't really understand where this pressure is coming from. And is, is anyone really going to look at you like you're the downer because you didn't have that slice of cake or something? Like, oh, he's 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 no fun. He didn't he didn't have five pieces of cake like the rest of us. It's like no, I mean, they can focus on if they want to do that. Oh, they can do that. I'm, I'm going to do my thing. You know, right. that's kind of my simple response to that. Yeah, and other than that, if you need to appease the orthorexic in you, and you just have to have something healthy, well, eat your healthy meal before you go to the party. Okay, right. so at least you got it in. And then when you get there, if you want a slice of cake, have a slice of cake. Exactly. If you want to take a drink, take a damn drink. You're a grown, <laughs> you're a grown ass man and a grown ass woman. Do it, okay. But if you don't want to do it, just Again, you're a grown-ass man, a grown-ass woman. Say, I'm good. I'm straight. It's okay. I don't want it. No. There's the power of no. It's always up to you. And who gives a rat you know what what someone thinks about your answer? Because you're doing whatever you do, you're doing it for you. And if you live by that principle and, and get off the guilt trip, your life will be so much better. You know, don't worry about being the people pleaser. Hey, dude, you showed up to their party, okay? That right there. That's a lot right there because your time is precious and you chose to hang out with them. So hang out, just hang out. And without all these obligations and requirements to be there. And if there are requirements and obligations, then don't go. It's really like that. And we're like, well, guys, that's just harsh. No, for someone to sit there and try to press you to do something that at least I would like to say that you don't think that, that you don't want to do, then that's harsh. That's harsh. Now, if you're the person weak enough to let someone manipulate you like that, then I'm not blaming the person that was trying to impose their will on you. Now I gotta like turn it on you. It's right. it's all it's always up to you. There's always a choice. I, I, th- I think I think people get it on both sides too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what, what I mean by that is, you know, I like to have a good cigar every once in a while. Is it every day? No. Is it once a week? No. It's like every once in a while, like a few times a year, I enjoy it. Gin and tonic, good gin and tonic, and a good cigar. Now, some will be like, well, you know, doesn't that violate your, you know, your health and fitness, this, that, so forth? I was like, no, it doesn't because you also got to live a little too. So I'm not saying that everyone should go out there and do that, what I like to do. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I work hard physically on my business, in my life, everything, that every once in a while you like to kick back and do something which may not be the healthiest thing in the world. But guess what? Me stressing about the effect of that is worse. And me actually yeah. engaging in that every once in a while, exactly. you know what I mean? So I think some, some people get a little bit too carried away with stuff. I remember I was, I was talking about this one time, and someone's like started drilling me like, oh, well, what's, why do you like to smoke a cigar? What's the pleasure? I was like, look, dude, I don't need to explain to you why I like to do anything. All right, so let's start, let's start there. All right? Yeah, the, the answer I is, like, 
Sam's is, is, I'm a grown ass man, dog. Yeah, exactly. The answer <laughs> is I'm a grown man. I'm not hurting anyone while I do this. Now I won't even do it like in a casino because I don't want to contribute to secondhand smoke. It'll be like right. on my balcony somewhere, right? I'm I'm, I'm that considerate. Like I'm not going to go to a concert and light up a cigar next to a bunch of people next to me, or or when I play blackjack, I don't light up a cigar at the table because I realize that that's inconsiderate to other people around you who may not want to deal with that. But every once in a while at my home on my balcony, yeah, I'm going to do that every once in a while, and I'm not going to worry about. You know what people think about that, and most I mean for the most part, no one's really giving you. Not too many people give me crap about anything. That's just right. you know you, you carry yourself in a certain way. That's just what's going to happen. But I, but I think I think that sometimes people are they they put this they they put this self-imposed stress on themselves. You know what I mean? It's not coming from anywhere else. It's just you're just putting it on yourself. So again, like I say, it's that especially in our industry, it's that orthorexic thing. Like they stress so much about being healthy that it's unhealthy. And I've said it before in past shows. So my thing is, breathe, man, breathe. <laughs> Just relax, breathe. And- well, I'll give you a story that kind of adds on this a little bit more. And you know, before we wrap up here, is that you know, just just. Recently, a lady sent me an email about – I wrote an article years ago about having vitiligo, which is this skin pigmentation issue yeah, where – Like Michael Jackson it, had it. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out I don't have that because when you have that, it spreads all over your body. You know, anyone right. who's met me or seen a facial picture of me knows that I have this uh, lack of pigmentation on one side of my face where it looks like I got burned there or it looks mm-hmm. like I'm, al- I'm albino in that area, right? So anyway, what I have is what's called a coal burn, which – can happen to people in India, and I'm half Indian, so it's, there's a genetic proclivity to develop something like this. I, I, I suffered a really bad sunburn, and this was a residual effect, and it was instant. It wasn't something that started small and then got bigger like Vitaligo does and spreads. This was literally one day it wasn't there, the next day it was from that right. sunburn. So anyway, this is called a coal burn where it's isolated to that area, which means it's not going to spread anywhere. And I've had this for like 12, 13, 14, 15 years now. It's been a while. And it hasn't spread anywhere. So, I mean, so it's not mm-hmm. Vitaligo. Now, I had this lady email me saying, oh, you know, my boyfriend had Vitaligo and he did this and it helped cure that and so forth. And I was like, oh, you know, I appreciate the email and I'm glad that worked out. It turns out what I have is not this. But, you know, it's not a problem for me anymore because I don't mind the way I look. So it's not something that stresses me out at this point. I, I don't need a solution because there isn't a problem there. Right. <laughs> she, she responds back like, "Have you ever considered, you know, laser surgery? Oh, how about this? How about that?" And I was like, "Man, did you read the last email?" Like, it's not a problem for me, you know. I mean, if it's if it's a problem for you and it inhibits you living your life, like you don't want to go out because you're worried about how you look and so forth, then yes, it's a problem and you should do something about that. For me, I realized, does this affect me in any? Does, does it affect my endocrine system? Am I unhealthy as a result of this? The answer is no. So I'm like, I don't mind the way I look. If anything, it 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 helps me stick out. Exactly, it's a good branding someone, tool. Someone sees me on the street, they know it's me, right? Now it's only a problem if I want to rob a bank or something. You know, that I don't wear a mask. But in terms of our industry, when someone recognizes when, this, when people see me on the street, they're not like, oh, I wonder if that's him. You know, they know it's me. You know? So anyway, but if it, it's like you're creating a problem where there isn't one. You know, this this was a problem for me when it first happened because it was a drastic change to my appearance, and I had some right. other issues I was going through, and I I really wanted a solution. I was like, I gotta find a solution. And I kept on going to these doctors and different people and so forth. And the funniest one was this one doctor I went to who was like, well, this is probably going to start spreading. I think it's going to show up on your balls and asshole mask. <laughs> You know, I'm sitting there 
like you look you look down one day and your pants are like, damn man, my crotch looks like two faced. What the fuck? <laughs>
Another one is going to be in Dover, New Hampshire with our friend Colin. And, um, and then there's going to be the third one in Michigan with Garen Clark, who is the creator of the Kettlebell, International Kettlebell and co-creator of the International Kettlebell Games. And then the finals will be in September in Michigan. So all that information is on internationalkettlebellgames.com. That, so that's the biggest thing on my plate now that, um, as far as competitions. And I probably won't be doing another kettlebell sport competition until June in New Orleans and Chicago at that time. So that's what's going on with me, man. And other than that, you can also use coupon code LLA on my website to get 30% off of the digital download or the, or the physical copy of my DVD, my bodyweight training DVD. You'll get 30% off of that. And other than that, people, keep the reviews coming. Don't forget the magic formula. When you go to iTunes or Stitcher, first, subscribe to our podcast. Second, rate and review the podcast, por favor. And then from there, download, listen, and share it with your friends. Let the world know about the show that you love so much. All right? Yeah, we have a lot of exciting guests coming up. We've got Udo Rasmus. We've got Charles Poliquin. We have John Berardi. I mean, it's, it's, we have a stellar lineup on the horizon. Yeah, lots of great stuff coming along, people. So make sure that you're subscribing so you don't miss an episode. So other than that, people, enjoy your holidays. And if you're listening to the show after 2014, hope you're having a great new year. If Before 2014, have a great new year. And be safe, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Take, Take care, care everybody. Man.